This is the Daily Roll Call Podcast, Talking Tennessee with Kathy Henders. During this tumultuous time, there are many questions uh, that residents of Tennessee have regarding their rights to defend themselves. And with us now is attorney John Harris of Nashville, who also is the executive director of the Tennessee Firearms Association. Uh, welcome, John, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I, you know, John, and I'm sure you're getting pounded with this question as well. People are scared. People are preparing for, you know, potential confrontations with violent rioters and looters. And so the question has been posed quite a bit is what are people in Tennessee's rights uh, if they are facing imminent danger or worse? Yeah, that's a great question. And and unfortunately, I mean, I've been doing this a quarter century now, that the Tennessee General Assembly has not given us a great answer to that question. Uh, the answer, unfortunately, has a lot of qualifiers and conditions, but I'll give you sort of the overview. Uh, when it when it comes in Tennessee to the issue of self-defense, the first place you start looking is a statute that's referenced as Tennessee Code Annotated 3911-611. And it essentially says that you can use force to uh, defend an individual, uh, yourself typically, and you can only use deadly force to, to defend against a personal attack that is of such a magnitude that it creates an imminent risk of death or serious bodily harm. So there's got to be an attack or a threat of attack that is so severe that it would rise to the level of, if I don't respond aggressively, it could result in my death or serious injury. So just yelling, screaming, even throwing things as long as they're, you know, like a water bottle, those aren't going to rise to the level that would justify use of deadly force. The The other question that's come up a lot, particularly in the context of what's happened in the last five days with uh, the abysmal response of the Nashville mayor, is the question of, well, what happens if I'm a property owner like the guys down on, you know, uh, Broadway or in, in other parts of the state and a rioters or the looters come to my property and enter or break in, um, you know, what can I do then? And, and that's a, a much different and, and much more complicated answer because Tennessee law says you can't use deadly force in a trespass or uh, a property theft or a property crime. Even if someone's looting or rioting, you still have that first standard of imminent fear of death or serious bodily harm that has to be met before you can resort to deadly force. I think that's where people get really kind of confused. Um, you know, being retired law enforcement, I get, you know, there's a difference there. Um, I have had people say to me, though, if just just an example. If if someone's in their car and, you know, protesters that are in the street start trying to break out their windows, um, you know, what, what should their reaction be? And is that grounds, um, you know, for physical, well, even deadly physical force? I mean, if they're in fear for their life, 
uh, you know, what, what kind of scenario would that be? Yeah. Yeah. It, it always has to rise to the, to the fear of the life standard. And, and, you know, I know you, you probably recognize this from law enforcement training, but the, the, the fear of life element has to be not only genuinely existing, but it has to be a reasonable level of fear for the quote average person. So if you've got someone that's hypersensitive, that just overreacts to everything, the, the court could actually say, even if they individually were afraid, it was such an unreasonable fear that deadly force was not justified. Uh, when it does come to something like a car, though, like you say, driving down the street and the rioters approach and attack, uh, blocking you so that you can't proceed wouldn't give rise to the deadly force standards. But as a result of an amendment to the statute that we spoke about initially, your car is a, is a protected zone in Tennessee now, similar to your house. And if they're literally trying to break into it, to get into it for purposes of getting to you, that felonious entry will give rise to a presumption of imminent fear of death or serious bodily harm. We see it happening, actually. You know, when you watch the news, obviously you can see that that very uh, example is occurring. You know, people getting dragged out of their cars and, you know, things like that. I have had a lot of people ask me or, or even say to me uh, that they feel um, even if someone is, is leaving their house or leaving uh, the area, that they no longer a threat, but they, you know, rob them or burglarize their home that they feel they still have the right to shoot someone. And, and in my training, we were um, certainly not allowed to shoot someone in the back as they were retreating. Um, you know, it's considered the the threat is becoming neutral as they leave. Yes, that holds true in Tennessee as well. The, the presumption that exists is a rebuttable presumption in the language of the statute, which means although the, the felonious entry into your home or your business or your vehicle might give rise to a presumption of imminent fear of death or serious bodily injury if the uh, the aggressor, the the burglar, whatever, has uh, initiated a retreat if they're leaving, so there's no longer a reasonable fear of personal injury or death, then the capacity to use deadly force is is not there anymore. And you would, in fact, probably be chargeable with, if you resorted to a weapon, you know, reckless endangerment, aggravated assault, uh, potentially even some form of homicide charge if you used it and killed them. And there's another statute that plays into it as well, and that is Tennessee's citizen's arrest statute, which quite clearly says that unlike law enforcement, even if a citizen sees a violent crime, a murder even, committed in their presence, a citizen cannot use deadly force to help affect an arrest. So take your example that the person has stolen a bunch of stuff and they've gone out the door. You can't use deadly force to stop that if there's no physical threat of injury or death. And the statute is is so um, termed or worded that let's assume that you were walking with your spouse down the street, a uh, purse snatcher comes up, fills the purse, there's a slight confrontation, purse snatcher shoots your spouse or somehow injures them. You couldn't respond once the purse snatcher turns and starts to run. 
once they break off and leave, you couldn't even, even if they just killed your spouse, you couldn't resort to deadly force to effects an arrest, and it's not self-defense at that point. And, and that's why I say that the, the self-defense uh, laws in Tennessee are, are extremely difficult because they don't reconcile with what most people think self-defense allows them to do. Wow. John, it has been an absolute pleasure and so um, informative and you've educated our listeners and we appreciate you coming on and we hope that you'll keep us informed as to what's going on uh, down in the legislature. And we certainly hope to have you back on. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'll be glad to come back. This is the Daily Roll Call podcast, Talking Tennessee with Kathy Henners. You know, one simple example that we've we have worked on and we continue to work on, and for some reason law enforcement and the legislature has got a lot of hesitation, is we've got this clause in our in our self defense statute that says this duty to retreat uh, doesn't exist so long as the person who resorts to self defense wasn't engaged in any quote illegal activity. That's the phrase. Well, there's now an appellate decision in Tennessee because this actually went up the chains in the last few years where the court has said because of the poor wording of the General Assembly, this illegal activity clause doesn't have to have a nexus or a relationship to the situation or the circumstances that gave rise to the assault and the resort to deadly force. So literally, it could be something like a code violation. It could be driving your car and not having insurance. Anything that would constitute an illegal act, even minor and immaterial to the attack, could deprive you of the ability to resort to deadly force without retreating first. And and that's not a concept that people get taught in the handgun permit courses, and it's not a concept that most citizens embrace as just the natural meaning of self-defense.
Thanks, John. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Good night, John. All right, guys. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, Until uh, next time, we'll say be safe, Tennessee.